Welcome to Riches in Christ Radio Ministry with Diane Kennedy. Please stay tuned at the end of today's lesson. We'll give you information on how you can acquire this week's tape, along with information about our weekly meetings and website. Now, here's Diane Kennedy. This week, we've begun a new series on the importance of becoming a regular reader of the Bible. This is probably some of the most important information that I teach. People don't think it's what they need because we want to hear more spectacular stuff. But trust me, by the time we get through this series, many of you are going to, you'll see the impact of this information and the importance of this information. Uh, This week, I'm just kind of making some general remarks about the Word of God, but Basically, we said very few Christians actually read the Bible. We may read a verse here or there. We open up to a passage on Sunday when the preacher says turn to a verse. You may read a daily devotional. Um, but that's not, that's, I'm not knocking devotionals, nothing against them. But when you read a devotional, you read a verse at the top of the page and then you read somebody's comments about that verse or a story about somebody's experience with that verse on the rest of the page. That's not the same as reading the Bible. If ever there was a time to have accurate knowledge of the Word of God, it's now. Jesus said that the years leading up to his return would be marked by great deception. In Matthew chapter 24, Jesus was asked by his disciples what would be signs that indicate his return is near. And he said a bunch of stuff, but he listed one sign. He only list, he listed only one sign more than once. Every sign he gave, he just mentioned it, moved on to something else. But one sign he made three references to, and that is religious deception. False Christ false messiahs, false prophets who perform lying signs and wonders, deceiving the very elect. Paul echoed that. He told his son in the faith, Timothy, that wickedness and deception will get worse and worse until the Lord comes. But he told Timothy and us that our protection against the wickedness and deception of the final hour of this age is the word of God. In Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, Paul said, Know this, that in the last days, last days refers to the years leading up to Jesus' return, and we're there. Know this also, that in the last days perilous times shall come. Perilous means fierce, and he goes on to list the behavior of people in those days. They'll have a form of godliness, but deny the power thereof. Let me drop down to verse, uh, let's see, let me drop down to verse 13. It says, but evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But you continue thou in, in the things which you have learned and have been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. And from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through the faith which is in Christ Jesus. Paul told Timothy, continue in the word of salvation that you've known since you were a child. It will protect you from the deception leading up to the Lord's return. Well, the scripture Timothy knew from childhood was what we know as the Old Testament because the New Testament hadn't been written when Timothy was a child. But notice, 
Paul confirms that its purpose is to point men to the salvation that is in Christ Jesus. Scripture also includes the New Testament, which was in the process of being written when Paul wrote these words. Now, this is a whole lesson for another day, but consider this point also. Paul was personally taught the gospel he preached by Jesus himself. He says in Galatians chapter 1, verses 11 and 12, and Jesus revealed a number of mysteries to Paul. Uh, A mystery is a previously unrevealed aspect of the plan of God. Paul was also given the privilege of writing two-thirds of the New Testament proportionately in comparison to the other writers. His writings were recognized by Peter and the others as Scripture. And he says, the Word of God will keep you and protect you from the deception of the last days. Now, he followed his statement about continuing in the Word of God with one of the best-known passages about the Scripture and its origin and its purposes. Let me keep reading. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. He says all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. The Bible doesn't simply contain the words of God. It is the word of God given to men by inspiration. This word inspiration is made up of two Greek words, the word God and the word breathe or blow. The scriptures are literally breathed by God. He spoke them. He used human authors to get them onto paper, but It is the Word of God. The Bible doesn't just contain the Word of God. It is the Word of God. Let me read you. This is Philip's translation. I love the way this verse is is rendered. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is useful for teaching the faith and correcting error, for resetting the direction of of a man's life and training him in good living. The Scriptures are the comprehensive equipment of the man of God and fit him fully for all branches of work. That is so good. Now, let, let's finish up for the week. As I said at the start of this, the greatest gift you can give yourself is to become a regular reader of the Bible, particularly the New Testament. Now, let me give you some real practical advice on how to approach it. We'll repeat this over and over again over the next couple weeks, but let me just give it to you as we close for the week. For most people, reading the Bible means reading random verses. We open it up, and we start to read wherever our eyes land, hoping to get a good verse that will either pep us up or give us some kind of answer to our immediate crisis. I like to call that Bible roulette. You just open up and hope for a good verse. Now, everybody listening, including myself, we can all give stories, I'm sure, testimony of a time when God, in his mercy, helped us. We opened the Bible and our eyes fell on exactly what we needed. Thank God. He's a wonderful God. But the Bible wasn't written to be read like that. Did you ever open the Bible up and get one of those verses that says stuff like, I'll crush you like a bug? 
I'm being a little facetious there, but you get my point. There's a lot of verses there. If you just read a little portion of it, it's got some crazy stuff in it. See, the Bible, like any other book or letter, wasn't written to be read that way. Think about it for a minute. If you sent me a six-page letter, you thought it through, you chose your words carefully, you organized it so you could convey your point to me. If you sent me a six-page letter, is this how you would want me to read it? First, I read a sentence in the middle of page five. Then I flip over to page three and read two sentences at the beginning of the page. Then I go back to page one and read a part of a line at the bottom of the page. And then lastly, I go to the last page and read one more sentence, close the letter, and announce that I've read it. Now, you might be laughing at this point. Usually when I give an example like that in front of an audience, people are laughing by this point, because we all know if I took the time to write your letter, I want you to read it from the first word to the last word as I wrote it, because I thought it through. If I took your six-page letter and randomly pulled sentences out of it, not only would I not understand the point and purpose of your letter, it's very possible that I could draw some really wrong conclusions because I've taken random sentences out of their context. Yet that's how we read the Bible. No wonder we don't understand it or get much out of it. No wonder there's so many differing opinions on what it says because we don't read it the way it was meant to be read. As we begin this series, I want to challenge you to become a regular, systematic reader of the New Testament. By that I mean read each book in the New Testament from start to finish. Now, I know the bigger ones, you can't read them all in one sitting. Um, I understand that. Take I'll address that in just a minute. But what I want you to do is read them from start to finish. Start with Matthew Read as far as you can get in 15, 20 minutes. Pick a reasonable amount of time, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes. Put a marker where you stop. Pick up there tomorrow and read as far as you can get in 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes. Do the same thing until you finish the book of Matthew. Don't skip around. Don't stop and look up a bunch of words or consult the commentary. See, that's what happens. We start reading, and within a line or two, we come to a word we don't understand or a whole sentence we don't understand, so we get out the Bible dictionary or the commentaries. Don't do that, because you're not reading the Bible. You're reading the commentaries. You see, understanding comes with familiarity. Understanding comes with familiarity. The point of reading like this is to get familiar with it. At first, it'll seem like a book of foreign words. I understand that. That's the way the Bible, the Bible was to me when I started reading it. But set aside 10 to 15 minutes each day or as close to that as possible and read as much as you can. Leave a marker there and pick up where you left off the next day. Try to read some of the little epistles, the smaller ones, in just one setting. Now, this doesn't mean you can't ever skip around or look up other things, look up things in a dictionary or a commentary, but do that at another time besides this regular systematic reading. What do you do when you get to the end of the New Testament? You read it through again. See, my, my brother 
led me to the Lord, and he gave me my first Bible. I didn't know anything about the Bible. He gave me a New Testament in modern, more modern English than the King James. I read and study from King James now, but this was a more modern English, and he told me to read it from cover to cover over and over. Well, I read it from cover to cover, like he said. I still have that Bible. There's question marks all over it because I didn't understand 99% of it. But, you know, he told me about Jesus, and that worked out good. So I figured I'd do this, too. When I got to the end of the Bible, I said, what do I do now? He said, read it again. I read through it again. He said, what do you do now? Read it again. And I began that. And second time through, third time through, I started seeing connections. I started getting understanding. Understanding comes with familiarity. If I could beg you to become a regular systematic reader of the New Testament, I would do it, if that would work. It will revolutionize your life and transform you. we got a lot of good stuff to talk about in this series. More next week. Amen. You've been listening to Diane Kennedy of Riches in Christ. To order this week's teaching on CD, be ready for our number coming up soon. Diane teaches locally every Friday night at 7.30 p.m. near Highway 44 in Jameson, at 4720 Jameson. Praise and worship is provided by Mercy's Child before each lesson. Riches in Christ provides a website at www.richesinchrist.com where you can listen to this week's radio lesson, download years of teachings and outlines, sign up for free weekly outlines, and order Diane's book, God is Good and Good Means Good. Friends, knowing that God is good is the single most important thing to stand on when trouble hits. If you think the trouble comes from or is allowed by God, then you need this book. For information or to order this week's lesson on CD, call us at 1-888-739-6619. Please mention today's date. Our number again is 1-888-739-6619.